Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Empowering the Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh You are tuned in to Marcus Sahaba Online And it's a wonderful, wonderful Tuesday afternoon I'm your host Yusuf Ali And you are listening to the uh, nearly say current affairs program Lunch break is the name of the show Dear youngsters, you know we had a current affairs program I'm not too sure if you guys know about it We used to talk politics and things So we changed world politics So we could communicate with you Youngsters, dear listeners of Marcus Sahaba Online So speak to us if you have any messages to send If you want to talk to us 84 786 You know this thing of cell phones Hey, this thing of cell phones can go either way When it comes to youth I don't know, you know And, and, and I give out this WhatsApp number And I'm hoping, youngsters That you use your parents' phones By no way do I want to encourage youngsters to have phones And I know there's some learners in my class as well Grade 3 Age 9 and 10 who say, no, we have our old cell phones. And I raise an eyebrow and I say, hey, young girl, but too young to have a cell phone. So when we say message us, I'm hoping you guys message us from your parents' phones, dear listeners of Marcus. I'm online and we're getting messages from parents as well. But nonetheless, it's a beautiful day indeed here in Johannesburg, South Africa. Once again, as, as always, we love being in your company, you know. So feel free to send us a message. On 084-786-3132 Especially your questions with Mulana Musa Lahey And uh, any interaction you want to have with us We are more than happy And we are more than grateful to be speaking to you today Inshallah I know exams starting for grade 7s this week So uh, this is just first term exams You might just say uh, just But the marks carry did you know? Not for matric, not for matric, sorry. Uh, grade sevens I'm talking about. And the marks scary. So there's little, little marks you can chop in here. Come on. Let's push it, inshallah, and make sure that it is a successful day, you know, and it's a successful term, inshallah. You know, Ramadan is coming up very, very soon. Uh, Ramadan is like two weeks away. So whatever you can push now, and I know our Muslim schools and our Islamic ethos schools have uh, put the exams a little bit earlier. They've pushed exams a little bit earlier so you can uh, get done during, before the month of Ramadan. Inshallah, inshallah. We're trying to push for exams to be finished before the month of Ramadan. And uh, I know my learners will be finishing on the 5th of March. My learners will be finishing on the 5th of March, if I'm not mistaken. How cool is that? Inshallah, Allah Ta'ala accept. But nonetheless, dear listeners of Marcus Sahaba Online, you know, as our days continue, as uh, we love to communicate uh, with you, um, there's one thing that I, I, I've got a problem with now. I've got a problem now with you guys and your parents taking you to school. Must take your lunchboxes out of the car. You know, I noticed... That uh, I I also pick up pencil cases today. I picked up uh, the, you know your the grade three pencil cases are massive nowadays, yo. 
us, we just had one small pencil case, all our things for the Rene. But I picked up a pencil case in the park, I picked up lunch in the park, and I know I can't uh, talk too far, and I know I have to clean my own doorstep because for some odd reason, my car is smelling like a char. No idea why. It's got that, not a char, that sort of curry smell. And I have to sit and dig through my car to see who messed what. Who messed what in my car? Because my children also, they leave their lunchboxes and sometimes a lunchbox open and it's Abda's absolute chaos. Guys, look after your parents' cars, man. Come on. Look after your parents' cars and look after your stuff. You know, pencil cases are expensive and you know all the parents will concur. The price of prut expensive <sighs> so when you look out you must look after your pencil cases please look after your lunchbox Tupperware is expensive lunch your mothers make a lot of work to look after it they, they make they put effort into it guys so please and when you jump in your parents car close your lunchboxes please or make sure you don't lose anything and you don't your food don't fall out in the car because then the car starts smelling. But anyways, let's start with the program now. Let's speak to you youngsters. Inshallah, getting ready for Madrasa this afternoon. Let's tell you what the date is. Today is the fifteenth, uh, uh, the 16th of Shaban. And let's tell you a little bit of what happened in history on this day. On the 16th of Shaban. Now, on the 16th of Shaban, 1258 AH, this coincides with the 22nd of September, 1842, the Ottoman Sultan Abdul Hamid II was born. He was one of the greatest Ottoman Sultans before its uh, fall, and he ruled for more than 31 years. So, the Ottoman Sultan Abdul Hamid II was born. He was one of the greatest Ottoman Sultans before its fall. And he ruled for more than 31 years. And this sort of information you can get with us, dear listeners of Merkis Sahab Online. You can speak to us, inshallah. And we will send you this information. In fact, you can find it online. Uh, you, can, you can find this information online, inshallah. On the Merkis Sahaba website. You can find it on YouTube also. But on a YouTube, you don't find the image, you find uh, Mufti A.K. Hussain will read it to you, inshallah. So this day in history, if you're going to do a school assignment, it works very, very well for you indeed. Hey, we never do our zikr this today. Lucky? We never start with our zikr. Let's uh, give, let's let's get our zikr in, inshallah, then we're going to do our one-minute madrasa. Yeah. 
Subhanallah, dear listeners of Malkas Sahaba Online, getting our dhikr from our youngsters. And I know I'm getting a little bit fights here and there to say, ah, it's unfair, unfair. We also want to read, we also want to read. And then even getting girls, girls, when you're at that age, uh, when you balik, you can't have your voice on air anymore. So unfortunately, girls are totally out. Boys, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Brush up on your surahs or brush up on what you have to offer maybe one day. Or maybe we can put it on. Lana Musala has program, what you say, inshallah. But uh, let's go for our one minute madrasa. We are on lesson number 11, our translation of salah. Uh, and it goes as follows Bismillah means Bismillah. I begin with the name I begin with the name of Allah. I begin with the name of Allah. A sunnah we're going to be learning. Yesterday, the following sunnahs of Qiyam were discussed. The male should place the middle three fingers of the right hand over the left forearm. Number two, the males should fasten their hands below the navel. And uh, today's lesson is to read thinna. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika wa tabarakasmuka wa ta'ala jadduka Wala ilaha ghayruk. You have to read your thana. That's a sunnat. Uh, that we're busy doing the sunnats of Salah, the listeners of Marqa Sahaba online. A major sin we're going to be learning about among the major sins concerning which severe punishment has been mentioned is to mock, that is to cause a person to feel ashamed of any of his sins or mistakes. Uh, the harm of sins, one harm of sins in this world is that by committing sins, the intention of repentance becomes weak to such an extent that a person is completely deprived of the tawfiq of making tawbah and eventually dies in this condition. And a benefit of obedience in worship, even one's children reap the benefit of obedience in worship and such a person's children are also protected from calamities. So your deeds, dear listeners of Marcus Sahaba Online, filters filters down and i know you youngsters listening to the program nothing will register as far as uh, the responsibility of a parent is concerned but the parents listening to this program this is something for you to consider so a person's child will reap the benefit of obedience in worship and such a person's children are also protected from calamities how's that one how's that one dear listeners of america sahaba online Nice one, isn't it? Latala is so merciful. Latala really is merciful. But right now, it's time for us to go for our kitab reading, inshallah. And we are focusing on the month of Ramadan, not too long ago, not too far away. It's like two months away. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the virtues of Ramadan. And I know some of my learners in my classes are from the farm, actually, actually from the farm. And I got one for you. Right. So for those engaged in farming who normally are not bound to others, nothing prevents them from reciting the Quran on their farm or adjusting their daily routine. Then come the businessmen, shopkeepers and merchants. 
nothing prevents them in Ramadan from reciting their Quran during their shop hours or cutting short trading time in order to make time for recitation thereof. After all, there is a very strong link between Ramadan and the Tilawah of the Quran. Almost all Allah's great scriptures were revealed in this month. Similarly, in this month, the Quran was brought down from the Lohul Mahfuz to the Sama'ud Dunya, from where it was revealed bit by bit to Rasulullah in a span of 23 years. Nabi Ibrahim received his scriptures on the first and third of the sacred month. Nabi Dawud received the Zabur on the 12th or 18th. Nabi Musa salam, received his Torah on the 6th. Nabi Isa salam, received the Injil on the 12th or 13th. From this, we can see, we note the great connection between the divine scriptures and the month of Ramadan. For this reason, as much tilawah of the Quran as possible should be made during this month. Such was the habit of our saints. Jibreel used to recite the whole Quran to Nabi in the month of Ramadan. In some reports, it is stated that Rasulullah used to recite and Jibreel used to listen. From joining these reports, the ulama have said that it is mustahab to read the Quran in such a manner that while one recites, the other listens. Thereafter, another recites while others listen. So recite the Quran as much as possible. Whatever time remains thereafter should not be wasted. Now Rasulullah drew our attention to uh, four more things and advised that we should practice them as much as possible. The recitation of Kalima Tayyibah, Istighfar, uh, begging for Jannah and seeking refuge from Jahannam. Therefore it must be regarded as an honor to spend as much as available in these recitations. This will be the true appreciation of teachings of Rasulullah What is so difficult about keeping the tongue busy with the recitation of Turud or La ilaha illallah while being engaged in our daily tasks? In the same hadith, Rasulullah said a few more things. Ramadan is the month of patience. Hence, even if great difficulty is experienced in fasting, one should bear it with patience. One should not complain as people are found or are fond of doing during hot days. If by chance seri is must, then lamentations begin early in the day. Similarly, should difficulty be experienced at the same time of tarawih, it too should be borne with patience. Do not consider it a great calamity or trial, otherwise these deeds may be void of blessings. When we turn our backs on worldly things, forsake our very eating and drinking, then in the face of Allah's pleasure, what are these difficulties? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, dear listeners of Marqas Sahaba Absolutely beautiful indeed So, us also, you know When it comes to um, When it comes to our ibadat In our Ramadan In our turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We must also make that effort And we young We don't have this uh, We don't have this thing of jobs Or and your exams are even finishing, man. If you're in an Islamic school, your exams are finishing before the month of Ramadan. Your school holidays mostly is comprising in Ramadan. So why not push the Quran, dear listeners of Marcus? Online, push some good deeds, inshallah. And Allah Ta'ala will accept. But right now, it's time for us to go for our segment where we listen to questions from our listeners, or in this case, parents. 
and Mulana Musalahe waiting to answer them. So let's listen in to Mulana Musalahe and today's question for today. That time of the day again where we need that question from our listeners of Marka Sahaba Online 0847863132 is the number to dial. And uh, it looks like this message has come from a parent today. We take we take parents' messages, inshallah. Inshallah, as long as regarding the kids, uh, as long as it's regarding school, uh, there's some parents here who are teachers themselves, like uh, Mulana Musa Lahe. I will start in the afternoon now, you know, with the Q&A. But nonetheless, uh, this is a very interesting one from a parent who goes as follows. Assalamu alaikum. At what age can I start sending my child to masjid, especially for Jummah? Hmm, interesting one. Let's welcome Mulana Musa here on the program. Mulana, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Nice question coming in from the parent. And I think it's a good idea that uh, parents can message us as well regarding the kids. So Mulana, what's uh, your advice on uh, the right age to go to the masjid, inshallah? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair by Yusuf as well as to the parent for asking this question. And alhamdulillah, our deen is comprehensive. Our deen has solutions for everything. Every issue that we can think of, we will find the reason and we will find the solution in our deen. So with regards to sending our young boys to the masjid, uh, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Muru awladakum bis salati wa hum abna'u sab'i sinin. Waddribuhum alayha wa hum abna'u ashri sinin. Order your children to perform salah from the age of seven. And admonish them so much so that if you have to give them one tapper or so at the age of ten, for not performing salah, then it is permitted in shariat. So with regards to the masjid, it's, that is one now. Boys, girls, they're already from the age of seven. We must start teaching them the rules of salah, all the du'as that need to be recited, the correct postures in salah. This is very, very important. So many children you see, not only children, Sometimes they are teenagers also. They are already balikh. The namaz is completely wrong. They go down for sajda and both legs are up in the air. For over duration of one tasbih, the namaz is batil, is broken. Between the two sajdas, the jalsa position, they just sit and immediately they are down. In the qawma position after ruku. They barely even stand up and they're already darting down for sajda. So all of these things now, the, that, that what I just mentioned, the qoma and the jalsa, those are wajib positions that you must stand and you must sit for the duration that your muscles are even relaxed. It's wajib, absolutely wajib. In sajda, another common problem that we find is that the children and even some adults, some teenagers, they don't place their nose on the ground. So their nose is hovering above the ground. Their forehead may be on the ground. Their fingers, how should their fingers be in sajda? It should be completely shut. Hmm? So all these things, it's important. One as a, as, a, as a maktab in the madrasa, it must be taught practically. 
And also, as far as parents are concerned, we must teach our children. Some of them, they're growing up, they're teenagers, they don't even know du'a-i qunut. So now they make Allah Akbar, they don't know what to read, so they keep quiet. Hmm? They keep quiet. Why? Because maybe they left madrasa early, or they were so involved in extracurricular activities that they didn't even get a chance to learn it. Or maybe they learned it, but there was no revision of it. You know, there's an Arabic proverb, إِذَا تَكَرَّرَ الْكَلَامُ عَلَى السَّمْعِ تَقَرَّرَ فِي الْقَلْبِ That when we continuously say something on the tongue, then it enters into the heart. So the same thing with our du'as, with our namaz, with our tasbihat, everything. We have to always make revision of it, uh, continuously remind our children. So before I get to the boys, the little girls, it's important as mums that our small daughters read namaz with us. Because now, if we're just going to tell that little child, let's see, it's Maghrib time, it's Asar time, go read your namaz. That child going to do up, down, dash, kiss the ground, you know, slap dash namaz. Many times they won't even read namaz. They'll just sit on the musalla for five minutes and then they'll get up and they'll go away. So make sure as mums, your daughters are reading namaz next to you. As far as the boys are concerned, so the ruling is to teach them from the age of seven and to admonish them at the age of ten. But alhamdulillah, some children, you know, they have good behavior, they have good akhlaq, uh, they're not going to run a mock in the masjid. So even from the age of five, six years old, if you see that they are not going to make a mess in the masjid and not be a disturbance in the masjid, then it's no problem. You can take those children to the masjid. Hmm? Teach them to read namaz in the back or so and to behave, not to... But if they are running a mock, then you don't bring them to the masjid. They are running a mock, especially in tarawih namaz. Tarawih namaz, we tell the parents, bring your children. But read namaz next to your children. Make sure your child is standing right next to you so that you are responsible for your child's behavior. Hmm? So many times, unnecessary, it gets into arguments with other musallis. Some are not as tolerant as others. So it gets into an argument and then it becomes one big fight in the masjid. All Ramadan gets spoiled. Why? Because a parent didn't want to take responsibility of the children. Now, parents don't want to do this here. You know why? Because the parents themselves, they read two rakats, three rakats, four rakats, they're outside in the car park, smoking, talking, come back, last two rakats, join the witter, go home, make like they, Allah wala. They perform tarawih. Well, what tarawih is that? Who are we fooling? Actually, that, if you look at it, it's a type of shirk. It's a type of shirk because we are... Number one, we are making dhoka. We are deceiving our, our families. Number two, who are we reading the namaz for? For our wives or for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So we must be very, very careful when it comes to these type of things. But gee, mashallah, children have that enthusiasm. They have that shock to go to the masjid. Just educate them. Sit down with them. Explain to them nicely that... You know, you're going in the masjid, 
This is how we have to behave in the masjid. Other children may be running amok, uh, rattling and this and all of that there. But our children, the rule is that the children must behave in the masjid. They mustn't, uh, and we mustn't bring small babies also to the masjid. Now that can make napaki all over in the masjid and things like that there. So we must be very, very cautious. Allah pak, the dua we must read. Rabbi Jalni Mukima Salati Wamin Zurriyati. Oh Allah, make me from amongst those who establish my salah and from my progeny as well. They must also read salah. Salah is the pillar of deen. As salatu imaduddin. It is the center pillar of our deen. If that comes crashing down, the whole deen comes crashing down. Very, very important. Allah Pak, bless our children with tawfiq of performing namaz, with jamaat as far as possible, and our little dollies at home, they must read namaz with their mummies, and uh, keep an eye on them also, teach them also how they must be covered correctly, how the impostures must be made in salah, etc. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all tawfiq. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. What a wonderful uh, point Mulana has, you know. Because I'll tell you what, to be honest, the parents do come outside and talk. Sometimes, you know, you're in Tarawi and then uh, something happens and then you have to go and uh, perform wudu again, right? The parents are sitting outside and talking stories. Can you believe it? The parents are sitting outside and talking stories. Shocking, man. Uh, but, and then, you know, uh, there's some parents who will come sit and talk to you now. You're busy making wudu. You're making dua. And then they'll sit and come talk to you about this and that and that. I just, uh, I, 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 I might seem a bit, I might seem a bit nasty, but I really am not being. But uh, we have to learn also. So I just can continue to make my, my wudu. And I just ignore <laughs> Sorry, but uh, anyways, it's time for us to go for a break, inshallah. After that, stories of the Sahaba with Mufti Muhammad Aku, Mulana Brarulak Esak, waiting also for our fiqh lesson for today. So let's quickly hit the markets. Marcus Sahaba Online Radio, empowering the To Marcus Sahaba Online, I'm afraid that time may be catching up with us, so I'm quickly going to head over to uh, Mufti Muhammad Aku as we do stories of the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. We are on part two of Hazrat Talq bin Ali Yamami radiallahu anhu. But Allah in the Quran Kareem also mentions those of the Ahlul Kitab who have faith. From before they received the book, they have Iman. When the Quran is recited to them, وَإِذَا يُتْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ قَالُوا What do they say? Hey, we believe in the Quran. It's the truth from our Lord. From before, we are submitters. We know of Muhammad We believe. أُولَٰئِكَ يُؤْتَوْنَ أَجْرَهُمْ مَرَّتِينَ Those people who believed in the previous book sincerely, and when they hear of the message of Islam and the Quran, they bring iman firmly. Allah rewards them double due to their patience. Subhanallah. And look at it today. There's so many coming into Islam. Just recently there was a brother who was interviewed by Brother Muhammad Ali. 
and this was uh, this person was a Zionist, and he explained to him what is Islam. And this Zionist individual at that time was a Zionist. He says how he is now suffering hemorrhage and pain and depression. All he does every day is just take pills, and he's showing the pills that he took, and he was emotional. And he says this is all due to what we did to the Palestinian children and the people and the women. He said, it can't come out of my mind and my heart how we would enter at night and how we used to torture them and ill-treat them and petrify them with the bulldogs and and how his comrades and, and people used to just shoot innocent, harmless, unharmed Palestinians. He said, I can't live with it. And subhanAllah, in this discussion, he embraced Islam. So there are those, alhamdulillah, there are many, many coming to the truth. You and I have to play our part. Look at this sahabi, Hazrat Talq. He studied the mention of Nabi Wasallam in their books and it inspired him. And when he heard about Allah's Nabi Wasallam, he came to Medina Manawara from Yamama. As I mentioned something else that happened to him when he came to Medina Manawara, because he was a Christian, there was another Sahabi who was formerly Jewish, and he studied Rasulullah's descriptions in their books. Subhanallah. He is none other than Zayd bin Sa'na. He, studying Rasulullah's descriptions, he was inspired, and he was affected, and he was so touched. But, he wanted to experience certain descriptions that are there but have to be experienced. And what is that? About Allah's Nabi's forbearance. His forbearance overpowers the, the ignorance portrayed by others. And the more you try and treat him with ignorance, the more he pours and flows in forbearance. This quality of forbearance, subhanallah. So Zaid was his name. He was a rabbi. Nabi sallallahu was in need to make ikram of new Muslims in a certain area. And he didn't have funds at that time. And Zaid offered Allah's Nabi sallallahu a loan. And he said that it should be paid and so forth. And the agreement was made. Before the time elapses, few days, some time prior, he comes to Nabi Wasallam to receive his due. And he starts insulting and reprimanding and disgracing Janabi Rasulullah publicly. Sahaba were very upset at what was happening. And Sahaba wanted to pounce on him, especially in this report. Hazrat Umar is mentioned by name. His eyes were revolving and he was in a rage and he was about to pounce on Zaid. And Allah's Nabi Wasallam said, Oh, Umar, you shouldn't do that. You should say to me to be more prompt in payment. Allah's Nabi didn't even say that the time hasn't elapsed or anything like that. He says, you should have told me, Umar, that you should pay earlier. And Umar, you should tell him if you want. Just be polite in his asking for his due. But you should tell me to be prompt in payment. Now, Umar, take him. His dues are ready. His dues are awaiting him take him to this certain farm and pay him in full. And Umar, give him extra because of the way you reacted. And as Hazrat Umar is paying him, and when he receives the extra, he says, why? He says, Allah's Nabi Wasallam said that this should be given to you because of how I reacted. But he says, Umar, don't you remember me? 
Don't you know me? He says, no, I don't know you. I haven't seen your face before. He says, Zaid bin Sa'na. So Hazrat Umar recognized the name. He says, but how do you ill-treat and disrespect and disregard such a great man in the manner you did? He said, Umar, this was my study. Oh, Umar, bear witness that what I have is in Allah's way. <laughs> and inshallah, we will definitely continue with that tomorrow. Uh, though through the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wonderful, wonderful to hear Mufti Muhammad Aku's voice. But right now also, inshallah, <coughs> sorry, it's a Tuesday, which means we're going to be listening to Mulana Abrarul Haq Esak. It's a fiqh for beginners. And we started with the topic of taharat. And I want you boys to listen to this one because I, I suspect uh, it's a bit otherwise when it comes to you guys. But uh, Mulana is going to be talking about istinja. So, Let's listen into Mulana Abrarulak Esak Fik for beginners. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala Rasulihil Kareem Amma Ba'd Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the fiqh segment. We welcome one and all <coughs> and hope you're having a lovely day today. Alhamdulillah. Dear respected listeners, Alhamdulillah. Uh, over the past few weeks, we've focused on quite a bit. Alhamdulillah, quite a bit has been covered with regard to najasat and with regard to relieving oneself. And now we move forward. Most of the fiqh kitabs work in this fashion where it goes from one step to the next step. And before we continue with the actual wudu now, because we spoke about relieving oneself, etc. Before we actually get to uh, cleansing oneself and making wudu, perhaps just a few minutes we can spend on uh, removal of najasat on our clothing, etc. I know that this is something that perhaps happens a lot. And uh, maybe we're unsure of how exactly this should be cleaned or when will it be deemed to be uh, pure and pak. So if the najasat is a type of najasat which is najasat mar'iya, that najasat which can be seen, for example, blood and um, uh, species or our stool itself, uh, this najasat can be removed by washing and obviously it must be washed at least one time or even more than this also as long as uh, we feel that now the thob or the clothes itself is pak. Now sometimes blood stains etc. are such that it cannot um, be removed, the, the stain itself. However, the effect of that najasat in this case, which is that blood, uh, the effect of that is gone. Uh, but maybe the stain itself is not removed completely. This will be fine as long as a person has washed it to the best of his ability. Even though there might be a stain that remains after washing. Uh, when it comes to something like najasat ghair mar'iya, then najasat ghair mar'iya is that najasat which cannot be seen. Now, if that najasat cannot be seen, for example, urine when it dries but a person knows that there was urine then he should try and wash it three times and he should squeeze it after every wash 
Um, and every time he washes should be with fresh water. Other ulama have given um, uh, a little bit of leeway with regard to this in the sense that if a person has to put the clothes into a washing machine, then the cycle in the washing machine will be deemed to be to to be enough for the removal of the najasat of this clothes, and in this way, uh, the najasat will be removed. Um, this najasat, when it is being removed from the body or the clothes, this is najasat ghair mar'iyah and najasat mar'iyah in the sense of najasat haqiqi, which falls under true najasat, then uh, it should be, a, a person should use whatever is necessary to remove this from the clothes and from the body. Whatever will help in the removal of the najasat should be used. In the olden days, they would use uh, rose water, etc., or vinegar to remove the najasat, the effect of the najasat on the body or the clothes. Here too, uh, we can use these very same things like rose water and vinegar. And we also have quite a few other substances that are available and other chemicals that are available today on the market that can be used for the removal of all this impurity. A person, it is not uh, against Islam for a person to use these chemicals and, and these type of um, substances in order to remove the najasat from his body and clothes like soaps and washing powders, etc. These are fine. A person can use this together in the washing machine and by means of washing it like this with detergents, then the body and the clothes will be parked. Remember that our clothes must be parked in order for us to uh, be able to offer our ibadat, for us to be able to offer our salah. One of the conditions of salah is that there must be no najasat on the body itself or on the clothes for that matter. One more masala, and that is with regard to uh, sperm. That if sperm has to get onto the clothes or the body, then here also it needs to be washed off. The body needs to be washed and the clothes need to be washed as well. So by the washing of the clothes, whether by hand or in the washing machine uh, with detergents, etc., then the clothes and the body will become packed by means of this washing. If it dries, for example, and it can, and, and even though you cannot be seen, it must still be washed because that clothes will be deemed to be napak until it is washed. So that is, therefore, we should uh, be very careful and try and use a sheet, etc., when we are having relations so that this uh, najasat or this sperm does not um, soil our bed sheets and our cloths, etc., etc. We should try and be very careful with regard to this. Um, moving on now, inshallah, from here, as we mentioned last week, with regard to the different waters that can be used for the making of wudu, we discussed that rain water, well water, spring sea, or river water, uh, water uh, from melting snow, and all of these different types of waters from the from the tap, obviously, can be used for making wudu. And the wudu will not be, or ghusl for that matter, will not be allowed with uh, following water. That is all impure water, uh, water that has changed its color, taste, and smell, uh, water in which something najis has fallen, that is something impure has fallen, for example, urine, blood, stool, or wine, um, the used and leftover water of wudu and ghusl, and um, 
similarly the water which a cat drinks immediately after eating a rat or a mouse this will not be permissible to make wudu uh, the water that will be permissible as we mentioned rain water well water spring sea or river water and tap water of course uh, what will necessitate a wudu before we actually go into the wudu itself a person needs to know that what will necessitate wudu what will when will he need to make or she need to make wudu so when it comes to the nawaqid of wudu or those things that nullify or invalidate or break the wudu they are called the breakers of wudu the nawaqid of wudu and these are the discharging of urine stool or coming out of anything from the private parts if any discharge from the private parts urine stool or anything else for that matter it might be wadi it might be some because of some sort of illness etc then this will break the wudu the second thing that will break wudu is the discharging of gases if a, pass, a person passes wind then this will break the wudu vomiting a mouthful number 3 vomiting a mouthful that means if a person vomits and he vomits a little bit this will not break his wudu but if he vomits a mouthful this will break his wudu to fall asleep lying down or by resting the body against something so if a person is lying down and he falls asleep or he is resting against a wall or a pillow or anything of that sort and he falls asleep and he goes into such a sleep now where the the limbs of the body become limp the limbs of the body become limp then this will nullify the wudu it will break the wudu if a person is just sitting on his own and he has not is not leaning against anything per se then this will not necessarily break the wudu unless um, obviously he passes wind or something of that sort in this condition um a person might be in a position where and generally this happens when a person is lying down or leaning against something that the body becomes loose and when the body becomes loose that is when the possibility of passing wind etc becomes uh, highly likely and in that way a person is not sure that the while he was sleeping or not his wudu might have broken and that is why the wudu in itself breaks so wudu is will be broken if a person falls asleep lying down against something um, or lying lying down or, or leaning against something and falling asleep if a person faints then then too his wudu will break if a person faints then too his wudu will break due to some illness or any other reason if a person becomes insane or goes mad then he will become his wudu will break person whilst reading salah if he laughs aloud if a person whilst reading salah if he laughs aloud now a person might think that what con- what connection does this have with wudu itself so if a person has to uh, is reading salah and he smiles his salah will not break if he laughs slow uh, softly like a giggle then his namaz will break but when a person laughs loudly in salah then his namaz will break and his wudu will break together with it this is a masla and this is according to the ahnaf 
and lastly the flowing of blood or matter that is the flowing of blood or pus from any part of the body will nullify and will break the wudu what is the hukam and the ruling of wudu in islam allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned the quran kareem ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu idha qumtum ila as-salati faghsilu wujuhakum wa aydiyakum ila al-marafiq وَمْسَحُوا بِرُؤُوسِكُمْ وَأَرْجُلَكُمْ إِلَى الْكَعْبَيْنِ That you, oh you who believe, when you stand for salah, then you should wash your face, you should wash your hands, including your elbows, make masah of your head, and wash your feet, including the ankles. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned this in the quran Kareem. Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has mentioned in the ahadith لَا يَقَبَلُ اللَّهُ صَلَاةَ أَحَدِكُمْ إِذَا أَحْدَثَ حَتَّى يَتَوَضَّأْ That a person's salah will not be accepted if they are in a state of hadath. That means if they are state or in a state of minor impurity. Hadath asghar is referred here. حَتَّى يَتَوَضَّأْ Until they make wudu. So we can see, and this is narrated in Bukhari Sharif and Muslim Sharif as well. We can see that the hukam of wudu is important because without this wudu, a person may not touch the Quran Kareem. A person cannot uh, read his salah and many other ibadat itself cannot be carried out without this wudu uh, being carried out. Inshallah, in next week, we will go through the actual uh, wudu, the niyat that needs to be made the intention for wudu, the du'as before commencing the wudu, etc. will be discussed inshallah. Uh, for now we need to understand that wudu is an important aspect and it is the key to salah, as it has been mentioned, that wudu is the key to salah and salah is the key to jannah. So wudu is very, very important. At-tuhuru shatrul iman, cleanliness is half of iman. So with this in mind, inshallah, in the coming weeks, we will discuss wudu in detail. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our efforts. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for all to understand. Jazakallah for tuning in. And until next week, wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaykum as wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. All of these little questions, and I know sometimes you guys feel a bit shy to ask these questions because uh, because uh, you feel like somebody is going to call you out. But here you can listen into the program and you can send us a message, inshallah. We won't put your name, we'll put your question anonymously with Mulana um, Musaleh here. But we quickly, we're heading over to Mufti A.K. Hussein, inshallah. It is the 16th of Shaban. We're going to round out the program with this. And Mufti Saab is going to give us some advices on this day, the 16th of Shaban. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. On behalf of Marcus Sahaba, the voice of Ahlu Sunnah Jama'a, we present to you lesson number 3021 of our daily nasiha and advice. Today, with the grace and mercy of all Allah Jalla we focus on the 16th of Sha'ban. Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam man asbaha minkum mu'afan fi jasadihi. Habibuna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, whosoever from you, you woke up in the morning and you made the morning 
and you had no serious illness, sickness in your body, meaning you were well with afiyat, safety, comfort, and aminan fi sirbihi, and you are in a safe place regarding your body, your family, everybody. So in the huku to yomihi, you got enough food for that day, that night. Fakaannama hizat lahud dunya, as though as he's got all the major, major bounties of the world. Our body is in good condition. We are in a safe place. We, our families, whoever. We got enough food and drink. So what more do we want? So the problem with us is we are very, very greedy. That we are madly, intensely in love with this wealth of ours. So that is why Nabi Salam taught in another hadith, Sayyidina Abu Raira radiallahu said, Unzuru qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi sallam, the Master sallallahu alayhi said, Unzuru ila man huwa asfala minkum. Look at the one that is less privileged than you. We got the car, look at the one with the bicycle. We got the bicycle, look at the one who doesn't have a bicycle and has to walk everywhere. So that's an easy example. Today, millions of people look at Gaza al-Mubarakah, look at Sudan, look at so many countries. They don't even have food and so many people are getting killed. So look at those who are less privileged than yourself. Don't look at those who got more than you regarding the worldly matters. Yes, regarding the dini matters, look at those who are beating you. We're reading five daily salat. Look at the one who's reading tahajjud salat. We're fasting two, three, four days in Shaban. So look at the people who are fasting 10, 20, 25 days. So like that. So in dunya, worldly matters and affairs, we should look at the one who is less privileged. Regarding our religious matters, we should look at those who are surpassing us and beating us. So why should we adopt this philosophy, ideology? For innahu ajdaru. It is worthy. Allah tazdaru Allah that you don't belittle the bounties of all Allah that are recurring, showering upon us. When a person, a nation makes shukar, la an shakardum, la azidannakum. If you are grateful, I will increase my bounties upon you. Walain kafartum, and if you make kufran and na'mad, you are ungrateful, unthankful. Inna adabi la shadid. Then my punishment is very severe. We know in South Africa, Southern Africa, Mauritius, tonight, Sunday night is 15th night of Shaban, the big night, the auspicious night. So each one of us individually in khalwa, in privacy, so read your two rakat salatu shukr, two salatu tawbah, two salatu hajjat, go into sajda, speak to Almighty Allah in any language out of salat. And if you know the dua by heart, the Arabic dua, read it. A'udhu bi afwika min iqabik, wa'udhu bi ridaka min sakhatik, wa'udhu bi kamink. Allahumma la uhsi sanan alayk, anta kama athnayta la nafsik. So inshallah, if we read that, Allah jalla wala will accept us all, and all mighty Allah will make us, spare us for Ramadan Mubarak. Allahumma barik lana fi shaban, wa baldighna Ramadan also. And the greatest dua, ya Allah, make our khatima ending on iman, wa da kalima tayyiba la ilaha illallah. Muhammadur Rasulullah Ameen. Salaamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. Wa Alaikum Assalam wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. Time creeps up so quickly on us some days, you know, we don't even know. But I know when I start, I was talking a lot to my youngsters. I like to get in that segment where everybody is at home. 
you know, towards the end, uh, we just have our uh, older learners at home, matriculant learners. So we give we give the more mature stuff for you here towards the end. But right now, inshallah, all the program, you'll learn all the stuff, inshallah. But uh, right now, it's time for us to wrap up. We're going to leave you with uh, closing dhikr. But uh, let's tell you what's coming up after this program. is a repeat of this morning's Q&A. Thereafter, we're going to listen to the voice of Hafiz Yusuf Kala, uh, Sheikh Salim Dorat with our Urdu lecture, Mulana Khalid Yaqub from 5 to 7. Repeat of Surah Al Imran from 7 to 7.30, verse 161 to 163. 7.30 to 8, Mulana Dawood Sirat, 8 to 9, A Current Affairs with Alamin Templeton, and 9 to 10, the with Mulana Musa Lahe. Right now from myself, Yusuf Ali and the team, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.